Welcome aboard to another episode of Salty Semen Talk. My name is Elf. As always, this podcast is for mature audiences due to subject matter. Now, without any further delay, let's cast off and get into it. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Alfred. Today, I have a special treat. I have two for the price of one today. I have the lovely Miss Plum, and I have the gorgeous Mr. Fatboy. How are you guys doing today? Good. How are you? Good, thank you. I'm doing great, brother. Hell yeah. So today, we'll be talking about uh, how it is, what it's like to be a veteran, uh, having relationships in the military, outside the military, dating civilians, all that, all that fun stuff. What we go through, what they have to put up through, you know, it's it, it'll be a good time. So, uh, so I'll start with you, Mister Fatboy. How's uh, how, how do you enjoy being a veteran? You know, I, I think. Um... For me personally, I take an immense amount of pride in, in, in being a veteran. Um, you know, it, it's 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 the same thing as, you know, how whenever I'm talking like now I'm in the civilian world. Same thing whenever I talk to uh, people that graduated from LSU, you know, people have immense amount of school pride and, and I can. So I can get it, you know, and they can understand it. But it's just times 10, uh, you know, because it's of, of what. You know, veterans, especially the ones that you served with, what we went through together, you know, there's just there's no bond about it. So, I mean, it, it's always nice that, you know, like now I get introduced like, oh, hey, you know, um, John Smith, he's a veteran as well. I'm like, oh, OK, cool. And then, you know, that's an immediate icebreaker and you can just lead in and you automatically have something that you have in common with somebody else. So you really get the, you know, that that icebreaker is done, you know, so it, it really opens it up to to a lot of um opportunities to to talk with people get to know them find out who they are yeah i I can uh i can feel you on that one like for me like people like oh but this person's veteran like oh and like you feel them out you see how they are you can kind of tell what level of veteran they are because you know we all have like different you know some people have been through shit some people fake the shit some people just don't even associate with being a vet for me, though, it's like some people are like, oh, you were in the Navy? You must know this person. You must know what this is like. I'm like, yes, yes, it is all the same. It is all the same. We're all the same people, you know, but uh, and I'm sure you've got, you've gone through that. Oh, too. yeah, 100%. I think it's something we'll always go through regardless. Right. But right. Um, though, though, occasionally, like um, on deployment, one of the guys that got um station i guess on my ship <clears throat> got orders to it he was actually in my boot camp class oh and i was like oh hello there he's like oh you're here i'm like yes this is my home but uh it was a small world um but yeah you so, know it, uh, it's it's funny you know you talk about because it, it, it's 100 percent true and and i think the longer you you're out the more of a small world that you realize with the 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 military truly is. Um, so when I got out in 2007 off active duty, I moved down here to uh, Louisiana and um, 
I got my first job where the guy immediately hired me. As soon as I put my application in, he's like, yeah, 100%. You're, it says you're a veteran and you're in the Marine Corps, so you got a job. That was it. And come to find out, both his sons were in the Marine Corps. One of his uh, sons was in 2-8, 2nd second, uh, second Battalion, 8th Marines, which is an infantry company. Mm-hmm. My first deployment on the 26th Mew, um, we were on the uh, USS, I, uh, I'm sorry, I, I shit hop, shipped, uh, ship hopped during that deployment. The Ashland we were on, the the Keir, the Kearsarge was, yeah, was, our main ship was the Ashland that we stayed on. Our mother mm-hmm. ship was the Kearsarge. Yeah. And then I went over to the USS Deal, then a merchant, no, I'm sorry, merchant marine boat for a week. And then to the USS Deal, we did some stuff in Africa, and then we, we heloed back, mm-hmm. uh, back to the Ashland. But um, I was in 310, so that's 3rd Battalion, 10th Marines. We were artillery, and we were in support of 2-8. So, you know, we were their call for fire. You know, we, we brought four cannons with us, and, um, you know, that's that's what we were there for. So it, it's really ironic fast forward two and a half years later and my boss when he told me he said oh yeah my son you know he's uh he just got out of the marine corps as well i was like oh really i was like you know who he's with he said yeah two eight and come to find out we went on we were almost went on the same deployment together he actually was short timing out and um he went to be on the uh the, the range mm-hmm. or i'm sorry wildlife management on on base so he could short time out but it's just that small world and then running into people that you served with, you know, years later. And then all of a sudden you're running back. I mean, shit, it, my, one of my, my last deployment was in Georgia and I, I ran in. We were in, I'm talking about like bumfuck Georgia. We were up in the mountains. We had our own own area that we were working out of and we were away from Tbilisi, like the capital and everything else. We mm-hmm. were we, we were BFE and a doc was out there with another uh, unit that was about to go to Afghanistan with the Georgians. And I saw him. I kept looking at him, kept looking at him. I was like, what the fuck, man? I know this guy. So I walked up to him. He was like, Hey man, did you, were you a corpsman for 310? Come to find out he was an HM one then. And that Mm -hmm. was back in 2000 and. Five, 2006. Yeah. Maybe, maybe six, seven. And then I run into him eight years later in bumfucked Egypt or bumfucked Georgia, actually, you know. And um, yeah, it's just, it's small that once you're really in, you know, four years or or a career, how small the military really and truly is, and the veteran field. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a connection to every, especially in, in the inner service. There's a connection to every branch mm-hmm. or every person. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, it's just like, um, I don't know, for doing intelligence, our community alone is already small. Yes. And oh, so, yes, indeed. So we're like, we're plus like with even within the Navy, we were separated and sometimes not ostracized, but like the black sheeps mm-hmm. like, oh, mm-hmm. you guys are intel people, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, it's not that way. But anyways, um. But like you, you is, and then when you deploy, you get that. It's not like a ribbon or anything. Well, technically, you do get ribbons, but it's that feeling. It's that sense, like you, like oh, you deployed too. Okay, and you kind of have that extra bond. 
So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting an experience getting out and staying in. Yes, so. it, it is. And it, it's kind of, you know, uh, you mentioned using the Intel uh, division and that is like, I guarantee you, your with your field it is even smaller than mine you know artillery mm-hmm. but you know that is a it's a very small and i think a lot of the you know of course we hated on the intel guys too all the fucking time <laughs> all the time we hated them why did we hate them because we didn't know what the fuck they did yeah. and it drove us up the fucking wall it's like okay so you know and it, it's always it's the same thing that you know like the the infantry guys would come past us and like you fucking pogues you bunch of pogues mm-hmm. and they were like all right we'll call for fire bitch you know like <laughs> okay you got that never mind dog we we, we cool you know so yeah. it was like it's always everybody's always trying to one up each other and always you know and then you take an mos like yours that is shrouded in the secrecy and it's only like what you hear and you know even inside the even inside the military if you don't if you're not at that rank or you don't know, I remember being like a Lance Cooley and thinking these fucking Intel guys are all spooks and they're all, mm-hmm. you know, like they're, they're out here doing black ops and shit. And it's like, cause I, I didn't know. So you let yeah. your imagination run wild, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They like, um, like I had Marines in my shop and, uh, like we had, we had, uh, LAR, um, or LAR, I just call them LAR. Some people say LAR. I don't know why. Drives me bonkers. But so we had because um, it it's three words, <laughs> three letters. You mean? <laughs> no, it's it's well. I mean, oh, we LAR have, stands was for was it whatever. Anyways, light armor <laughs> recon reconnaissance or something. I don't know. None of us even said it out because most of us don't even know words. But um, and then I had my my Intel Marines, well, not mine, but yeah, yeah. Um, and like I, we had to like work. We worked with the SEAL team that came on board. We worked on like four nationals from like either like the Saudis, UAEs, people like that, you know. And but even within our intel world, we were like, "Oh, you're that type of intel? Nah, nah you're not that important." Because there, there is that rank structure within classifications, oh, yes. you know. Like you'll Absolutely. have the the intel specialists who all they do is powerpoints, but they act like they walk on water. I'm like, dude, you make PowerPoints, bro. Where do you think your information comes from? Right. You know? Right. But um, but no, it's it's brotherhood, sisterhood, whatever. It's a family. You know? And I think one of the hardest things about relating that experiences to the um non veterans is that they can they can get a sense, but they just don't know. And it's it's hard, I know for me personally, relating to be like that they don't understand it's not their fault. But it's I need that that connection to know. But I've also know what it's like to date other military people. <laughs> and that's not the right answer either. So Right. I had it's, uh yeah. It's tricky, man. I mean you know, like um you know, and Plum, you can you can attest to this better than I can, but you know, just something that we've noticed is it the mindset, I guess, of a civilian and a vet. Mm-hmm. And you know, like how you know the I guess how it gets so played down, especially you know, where where I came from, you know, 
relationships were played down. Yeah. You know, or not really, you, you don't understand them. You, you, you know, I might've been 24 and married, but at the time in my head, I was still like a 16 year old, just finding the first, second, third girlfriend, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's not like they, something they teach you. I learned though. It, I don't know if it's for, if it was like that for you, but like when you have like a relationship or you have a kid and you're in the Intel field, you literally have to tell your chain of command and get it documented. Yeah. Like, cause they're like, like my chain of command was like, Oh, okay. As if like, I'm not allowed to do that. Cause it's a liability. Right. And like, then they have to vet them and vet their families. Like when I got my clearance investigated, um, my girlfriend at the time lived, lived in like East Bunfuck, uh, Massachusetts, like and on a mountain and shit. The FBI went to their door and then like, luckily I told her like, Hey, people might come talk to you, blah, blah, blah. But like I had my, my uncle and he didn't know the FBI mm. showed up at his door and he's like, um, the FBI came to my house. I'm like, Oh yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It's fine. It's fine. But like, yeah. Everyone, even like I had to get the, the death certificates for my parents and stuff like that. I'm like, bruh. But it's, like, I tell you, it, it is intense. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, ah, you know, like I'll, I'll say yes to this and they're never going to follow up with it. And then you mm-hmm. get called from somebody that you haven't talked to in eight years. That's an old neighbor and like, hey, bro, FBI, you can give me a heads up. I'm like, I didn't fucking think they would do it. Right. I'm like, oh, they'll, they'll never do this. You know, but uh, you know, kind of, you know, getting back to what you were saying about, you know, like whenever your your section heads were like, you got a kid now. Uh-huh. It's I had a, a same thing, man. I had a choice. I had already put in for leave to to leave, put in leave to go get married. And my section chief at the time gave me an ultimatum. Said, "Well, you can either no, I'm sorry, he was our platoon sergeant at the time. Unfortunately, <laughs> but you can either go to chief school, which is every artillery." You know, every 0811, that's what they want to be. They want to be the chief. You know, uh-huh. they want to have their own gun, their own crew. And he's like, you can either go to chief school or you can go get married. I was like, well, I, I mean, can I go get into the next class? He said, they got spots, but I'm not putting you on it unless you show dedication and you pull your leave out. Wow. And I, I, I come to find out the reason why is because I got the last leave that was approved and he actually wanted to go on leave. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, so you know, and I, 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 you know, obviously went home, got married to my ex-wife, and um, uh, he, you know, he did whatever. He was just a fucking piece of shit. But you know, it, but it, it's, but wow. that is, you know, <laughs> that's that's the mentality. Yeah, there's some very spiteful motherfuckers in the military. Like, like the like people will probably die and then be like, well, they shouldn't have stepped that way. Sucks to suck. Yeah. And that that and like I'm sure you know the term. Um but um I explained to people what fragging was. Cause I used when I was a CO in prison, um, I used that term in regards to people I worked with. To and with other veterans, and some of them didn't know what that meant. And I explained it to them. I'm like, wow, that's really fucked up. I'm like, yes and no. Because I'm like there are some people in leadership that should not be there and they will get people killed and accidents happen all the time downrange. You hell being on a ship is like being in Australia. Everything wants to kill you. Things happen. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, and that's, uh, you know, but I can tell you for, for every person that I had that thought of, or I'm like, dude, you know, just, uh-huh. let's just take the rank off real quick. I, I will say that I was very, very fortunate in my career over the 12 years that I had the good heavily outweighed the bad. Yeah. You know, I got completely spoiled in my first unit. When I say spoiled, I mean spoiled as in good leadership. They were hard as fuck on us. But we we saw they showed us the method behind their madness and they got us on board. And, you know, we were prepping for our deployment and there was there was no finer group of people that we wanted to deploy with. I mean, we were. Hands down, the best artillery unit in 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 the Marine Corps couldn't be touched. We were putting rounds uh, even in California. We did our last shoot X. We you know, we were putting. After the the first adjust around, our FOs were able to make the corrections and putting uh, steel on steel. So basically, you know, shooting out that that HE round and putting it directly on that tank after one correction. You know, it was, we were just fucking phenomenal. And I will say that, you know, even with the bad ones, they, the good ones really outweighed it and and they really paved the way for good Marines. Uh, you know, and it's just unfortunate whenever people get sucked into that bad leadership and they let that define their entire career or their entire enlistment. Yeah, I I would I would have to say, though, throughout the, my time in the Navy. I agree the the good NCOs officers outweighed the bad and I always had good NCOs I could go to, like when I had a mental breakdown or I wanted to jump off a ship and be shark food or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I always had um, those people to go to and it, it was helpful. Like I didn't want to take my E5 exam. I told my chief, I'm like, nah, I'm going to Christmas tree it. And she was the one of the smartest, most intimidating females I've ever met in my life. And politely she said, the fuck you are. come to find out because it was um a classified rank exam she was my proctor and i was the only one from my shop taking it so i was like "Mm, this is fun i made my first time out nice i'm just like i didn't want this and she's like i don't really give a fuck but she would always push me to to be my best right even if she did shit on me she did it with the best intentions, you know, it, it, because the, there's that right there is actually teaching, you know, mm-hmm. telling somebody, Hey, uh, go on, leave and get married or never become a chief. That's just spiteful. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if he had sat me down, right. Whenever I told everybody like, Hey, I'm taking leave and started planning and, you know, everybody, everybody knew about it, including him. He's like, Hey man, I'm just letting you know, there is a chief school coming up at this time. You know, is there any way you can move? and actually tried to work with me and, and actually let me see like, okay, I understand I'm doing something I want to do, but there are consequences. You know, the Marine Corps still is going to keep going. It's not going to stop just because what, you know, this ain't a one horse show. Uh-huh. So that's learning. And that's having, you know, that's la- paving the, the, the way for people to grow and actually grow with their family as well, because that could be a lesson that, that, you could tell, you know, any veteran's new spouse or even a long-term girlfriend or children mm-hmm. that, you know, that veteran now needs to go back to them. Like, look, 
you know, is there any way we could pull? Well, we've been having this, this date, I know, but this is why. And if you talk with your partner about it and then they understand, they may not be able to change the date this time, but the next time it comes around, they're going to be able to work with that. And it's not going to be a constant stress. And it's not going to be a constant button head. Like one spouse made the plans and the other spouse was like, no, I can't do it that time. Mm-hmm. You know, I have this. Like, oh, you didn't tell me. And it goes back to that communication part of it. So I think that's where especially, you know, like a lot of veterans really, you know, they're used to just having being told no. And that's (laughs) it. Mm -hmm. Like, can I go on leave to get married? Fuck you. Yeah. Okay. You know, that's the typical response. It's either. Yes, it's it's black or white. There's no gray area. Right. And and then nobody wants to take, you know, and I understand you can't do that for everybody. Not every Mm -hmm. vet you know, or, or Marine wanted to hear the, the why, but once you have somebody that is at that level or that leadership capability, then you need to start explaining it to them. Yeah. I had a, um, <laughs> I had a, I had one of my, my warrant again, one of the most smartest females and most intimate, but the both of them, I had them both at the same time. And I made the mistake of saying, I see them as mother figures wrong. Oh Lord. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was not a good time, but, um, she, knew her shit and she told a lieutenant commander to go pound sand and get her nice. out of her shop because he was just fucking shit up. But I'm like, that's the leadership that I had on deployment. Thankfully it's the second leadership I had when I came back that messed me up and ended up pushing papers through to say that because of my mental instability, I was fine. I was found a liability to the Navy and they just fast tracked me out. So that's why I'm salty about it, about right. toxic leadership. But um, well, let's uh, we can switch gears and Miss Plum, what are your thoughts on all this? How how do you feel about being the, on the civilian side, and how do you see things? Um, so it's really funny. Um, you mentioned just everyone knows each other. We were dating about six months, and he sent me something on Facebook, and I clicked on him and. That we had a mutual friend. And I was like, we have a mutual friend? Who's our mutual friend? I ended up somebody, uh, most of the people I'm friends with, I've known since, you know, elementary school. We all went to elementary, middle school, high school together. Ended up being somebody's um, older brother who I had grown up with my whole life. And, you know, he knows Dixon really well. So um, that's just such an example of what a small world it is. But for toxic leadership, I mean, in the corporate world, we we deal with the same thing. Um, We don't have the term fragging, but I mean, I wish they would invent something really close to it because, uh, you know, I can say that I've had some really great leaders and I've had some really bad leaders. And um, the impact that the really great leaders have made in my life um, have stuck with me. And it's also, you know, more than anything, I don't know about you guys, but um, I'm pretty stubborn. And so... Whenever somebody tells me how to do something or a way to do something, um, I'm immediately really skeptical. Or you I don't say. <laughs> yeah, my mic's know. muted. I'm not commenting. So go ahead. Ben. <laughs> uh, so, um, but you know, having the ability to deliver is really important. Um, and I will definitely say um, for Dixon as an example, and we were just talking about this the other day. I said, you know, when you say something to me, I know it's coming from a place of growth and love and it's not coming from any ulterior place. He's, and that's a good example of how he's a really good leader and he's been taught to be a really good leader 
um, because, you know, he knows how to speak to me. And the people in my life who, you know, I've had some really great, you know, uh, mentors, my career-wise as well. And just the ability to deliver how you speak to somebody um, is, is a huge is a huge is a huge thing. So, and I, I will say that I think the military more than anything has taught uh, really good communication. I feel like you know really really good communication. Um, so, from the civilian side, there are actually a lot of things, a lot of ways. I feel like it helps our relationship. Um, a lot of really good positives um, that we bring to it, and then I think also the civilian side. You know, I think it's a really good balancing act. So. Um, for me, that's how I really think about it whenever we joined our lives together. It's like, okay, you have some really great qualities that you bring to the table and a, a different type of background because I've never dated anybody in military background or law enforcement or anything. Um, so that so was- you chose a Marine. Very good choice. Thank you. I thought yep. so. Yep. The only choice, actually. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Yes. Uh, I I went for the best first, you know, so. Uh, if you ain't first, you're yeah. last, so. That's yeah. right. If you're not first, you're last. But yeah, that's. Yeah, I've heard I've heard time and time again that like. What we experience in the military, like as toxic as things are, and sometimes the high horses and soapboxes people are on, like you still experience the same thing in the civilian world which I learned the hard way when I left the Navy, I was unemployed for a while. I'm like, all I wanted to do was a job. I had no purpose. I felt like a bum. You know, I wanted to provide that role model for um, a kid and everything. And the only person, people that called me back was a prison. So I was like, sure, why not? You know, I, I deployed, I've been around dangerous things and everything. It's a prison. What? Well, it can't be that bad, but, uh, it was the same bullshit. It was the same bullshit. Put on a uniform, you go and deal with a bunch of children, grown-ass children, both people you work with and the people you supervise. It's the same political bullshit, but I come to find out the blue falconry and the political bullshit was worse working in the prison than the military, and I so never thought worse. that was possible. Never thought that was possible. I'm like, How? And the fact that, at least up here, the inmates, technically, they can't call them inmates now. They call them residents in this state. <laughs> so uh, that's a whole nother thing. But, um, that's cute. <laughs> that is sure. really cute. Sure. Um, and you don't call them sex offenders. You call them something else because calling them a sex offender is offensive. Um, okay. Yeah. But um, they got treated. Like, I got in trouble because I was too hard with discipline. Like, I got moved. I think that's how the military has kind of become, according to a few people we know who's, and, you know, some yeah. a friend of ours told us something that they said, and it was just really, I thought, very innocent. And they got in trouble for it. it yeah. It was really shocking. Yeah, I got chewed out once because I didn't pull my junior sailor aside. Instead, I chewed him out in front of other junior sailors, and I was told that was not quality leadership as an NCO. I, I, I don't, I don't understand how we continue to to appease the the small numbers mm-hmm. 
you know, it, it, it's yes. Do should you sit there and have to worry about your your son or daughter getting their their ass completely destroyed in boot camp and coming away with lifelong injuries? No, that's that's uncalled for. That's you know, if you want to do that type of training, then you're that that's the more specialized training that you can go off. And if you become the very 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 small percentage of the SF community, okay, then and and that's still even regulated. Mm-hmm. That's still highly, highly regulated to where there's not, you know, but do you at the same time get in trouble for chewing somebody out and you didn't pull them off to the side? No, motherfucker. That's that that is called leadership because you're correcting a problem right then and there. Because mm-hmm. if that person is bold enough to do what that infraction, no matter how small or how big it is, depending upon the setting, and other people see them get away with it. And you can't immediately address it right then and there, and other people can take note of how you addressed it, then they know that they can't do that. But if you got to walk up to somebody who's like, um, excuse me, sir, uh, would you mind stepping out of formation so we can have a uh, private discussion behind this building right here about something that I noticed that I did not agree with, which you can debate up to, okay? What the fuck? Mm-hmm. You're going to get your ass ran the fuck over and taken advantage of. Yep. I mean, I don't like it in boot camp, like nobody, everybody, why is, why doesn't every single person in, in the military or I'm sorry, everybody in the, in, in the United States join the, the, the military? I would say more than half the reason is because they don't want to do boot camp, Facts. whether they, they can't, you know, they couldn't hack it or they couldn't control themselves. But either way, you you didn't do it. Mm-hmm. My, my favorite, my favorite responses are. I would have joined, but I would have punched a DI in the face. Oh my the, gosh, that's the, my favorite one too. The fuck you would. I oh would, my gosh. I I have a nervous switch now where I blink when I talk because I I stood at attention so often with my hands and I talk with my hands mm. that I blink down when I'm nervous and I sweat bullets when I'm at attention. It just it just is like people say that they're like, oh well, I would have done this, but I had this. I'm like, bro, I had asthma, I had flat feet, I had everything. I lied, I lied my ass off because know why? I wanted to enlist. That's right. You would have been, you know, and the people that are like, man, I would have knocked him the fuck out. It's like okay, because you hit pause on YouTube 15 times, rewound <laughs> it, and fast forward, and then you're like, oh, right there, see, right when his hand flinched, I would have reached out, grabbed it, trapped it in the pocket, and I would have, but pow, and knocked him out because I'm, I'm a badass. But yeah. you know, I, I, I didn't want to do it though. Yeah. Okay. I mean, cool. And, and and that's the thing is it's it's not a shame that you did or you did not. Yeah. You know, if it's it's not a shame for that. You know, and I tell people always like, man, I you know, like some of my friends are like, man, I really do wish I could have joined. And you know, some of them do have legit reasons why they can't. And I'm not saying they're they're not out there. It's most of the people that have been turned down normally don't like talking about it because it's an extremely sore subject. And I can completely and totally understand that. Oh yeah, completely sympathize them with that. You know, but the the ones that just immediately come up to it's like you. Anyways, but you know, like I, I I tell my friends like, look, there's a reason why. Yeah. Whenever, you know, it was our job to deploy. That's what we said. You know, it, that was mm-hmm. that was our job. It was your job while I'm deploying that my family is back here that you're protecting or providing a service to. You mm-hmm. know, we, we talked about it during a, um, a salty sailor talk a while back, you know, and, and that's it. That is the cycle of a veteran and, and being able to be a civilian and a veteran and then coming into being a, a veteran civilian again. Right. Yeah. And. and 
it's if if I'm doing my job and we're doing everything that we can to do our job, then I'm depending upon you as a teacher, police officer, uh, as a plant worker, EMT, nurse, whatever your job, tax guy, okay, or or, or whatever. Uh-huh. Then that's the job you're supposed to do because whenever my family needs their taxes done, that's a stress relief off of them that they can already under a stressful situation because of their loved one being deployed. Uh-huh. So, you know, it, it it's, it kind of it goes Every, back to the, everyone's that, a cog know, in the machine. Ex- that's exactly right, bro. You know, it's exactly right. So I, I get a question for you It's off the topics of what I mentioned, but speaking of cogs in the machine, do you think things would be better in this country? Not getting political, just, just kind of just common sense wise, I guess. If people stopped bitching and asking for handouts and then said, just, just worked. Cause my thing is there's a, there's a lot of jobs people can just do. They just don't want to do them. Here's the thing though, is there's always going to be handouts that mm-hmm. are needed. And as long as there is a need for that, there's going to be a, a desire to take advantage of it. And what mm-hmm. we need to do as veterans and civilians and polit- whatever is stop making the 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 giving so easily to abuse yeah and coming up with more ways of like okay well instead of let's instead of creating jobs let's just up the unemployment you know let's why can't we drive that back into so like yes there's a need for it i absolutely 100 percent agree with that there is a need uh for assistance but yeah there's a you know like the assistance program there's not really really enforceable consequences behind it uh-huh. if i could say something about this topic of course anytime um so yes there i do there there are so many jobs out there um that need filling and especially we were just talking about this the other day trade jobs one specifically trucking that's a huge you know that's a huge um industry right now that needs people I think the issue that we have in our country specifically isn't the handouts because like he said, there's always going to be somebody who exploits whenever somebody tries to do something good. It's just, that's just the way the world works. But I think the issue in our country is we don't put enough emphasis on going out and not, you know, we make the end goal for all kids, go to college, go to college, go to college. Not every kid is designed to go to college. Not every kid that's going to work for them. I think we should put more emphasis on like real life jobs instead of, you know, unattainable. There's always, we're always going to need scientists and biologists and, you know, IT people, but we're also going to need plumbers and electricians and, you know, things like that for our infrastructure, right? And I just want to make an example of, you know, somebody who, Dixon works with. This is a good example of how you you know he he works with a gentleman who's worked at his company for years, and he started off as the photographer, as the photographer at the plant, and now this guy has a huge position in the company. He's part of the site leadership team. So because somebody told didn't tell him, you know, go out and get a four year degree, and you know even if he did 
while he was being a photographer, that's not the point. The point is he worked a normal job and he was successful and worked his way up. Just like, you know, if you're the saying, the CEO can become the janitor or the janitor can become the CEO um, of a company. You know, I think we just don't put enough emphasis. We just, we say, go to college and, you know, and kids are like, well, I can't afford to go to college. So what am I going to do now? Okay. We're not teaching kids real life skills. I think that's really the problem. It's not that they don't want to go and fill jobs. It's just, they're like, I don't really know what to do because nobody's actually prepared me for life after, after high school. If I'm not going to college, my whole, all of high school is just focused on, you know, going to college. I mean, for me, when I was in school, it was just go to college, go to college. If you weren't going to college, then what were you going to do? You know? Yeah. You know, if you think about it, in my high school, we didn't have a welding shop. And then any of the extracurricular activities like shop or anything else, that was your fuck off period. Nobody took that serious because we didn't have anybody to teach it seriously. And then if you went into a trade school after high school, then that basically meant like, oh, well, you're too dumb to go to college. So you got to go get a trade. And it's, you know, now being in the real world, it's the complete and total fucking opposite. And I wish that, you know, like I'm very, you know, very happy to talk about it is, you know, with MVP, we're part or we're working with a a school um, guy's name is Kenny and he runs a phenomenal school called Warrior Two Instructor. And he focuses it on vets after they get out and transitioning. It's a year and a half school, a year and a half. And this is a, the, the trade that he does is a um, uh, pipeline inspection. Uh, he's a, uh, uh, it's a, oh man, I'm, I forgot. NDT. Thank you. I, I couldn't think of it. NDT um, certified instructor or inspector on these pipelines. Uh, it's a year and a half program, semester program. But after you graduate, guaranteed minimum salary is 80000 but not a single person has graduated that school that's not making six figures within their first year of employment anywhere because it's such a high demand job, you know? And if you think about it, Alfred, you know, like whenever we were coming up as kids and somebody, you know, in, in you know, 16, 17, like, man, I want to be a, a doctor or a lawyer so I can make a hundred thousand dollars a year. That's what, that's what people think. Like I got to go to college and if I fail at college, I'll never be successful at anything. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's not just it. Not true. That, yeah, I was uh, I was rushed into going to school. Like my high school's like, oh, you don't know what you want to do? Take this personality test. This will tell you what you want to do for the rest of your life. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. Like, but again, like probably the wisest person I've ever known. My biggest role model in my life is my grandfather. You know, he's a World mm-hmm. War II Marine sniper. He went through all the shit. He came home. He raised three children, including my, you know, my mother. And I went to school because he's like, hey, I know you want to enlist. I fully support you. I love you more than anything. But I want you to have a degree just in case you, something happens. You have something to fall back on because this world wants you to have a degree. I want you to have a pot to piss in. Mm-hmm. He's like, once you do that. Enlist, do whatever you want. And that's what I did. And initially, I wanted to be an officer. But then I talked to my friends, because I graduated high school, not to make you feel old, but in uh, 2007. (laughs) So uh, a lot of my friends joined the Marines or the Army, and they went over to Iraq, and they went to Afghanistan. And I came, I, you know, saw them when they came home and stuff like that. And they're struggling to do school on top of everything else. 
And um, that played a part in it. Also, I didn't want to be an officer because I'm like, I don't know how to lead people. I'd rather do enlisted first. See, first of all, see if I even like the military. Mm-hmm. And then then lead, because you can still lead as an NCO. And that's what my grandpa did. He was an NCO in the Marine Corps. You know? And I agree, Plum, that trades, like, I loved woodshop. I love building with my hands. You know, I teach my kid. He loves building with Legos. And you, the, the mind is the most dangerous weapon you can have, but it's also the greatest tool. Easily, yes. And... If you can if you can provide with your hands, then then you're set. Like if you know how to cook, you know how to fix a car. And what I what I teach him is you will always have weaknesses, but you will always find people to surround yourself with that your weaknesses are their strengths. Mm-hmm. You know? And another and in regards to what Plum said about like they don't teach life skills. When I worked at the prison, I'd ask um, other COs, I'm like, do you know how to read a map? I'm like, do you know what a Rolodex is? And they're like, the watch? I'm like, no. <laughs> and like, they don't, I'm like, how do you, they don't teach this in schools. Like, they don't teach any of it. And it's, it's sad because it's like, you wonder why we're behind the eight ball in education in the world. And right. it's, not even including the whole rewriting history. That's, that's a whole different can of worms, but you're not teaching, you're not teaching what people need to survive. Like computers won't be around forever. And I'm like, we used to have rotary phones, phone books. Like we went out, we touched grass, like ride bikes or run to our friends' houses. You know, we didn't have cell phones, but we survived. We're better for it. But yes, I agree. They need to start teaching. Like, they need to fund like woodshop, welding, uh, what automotive. Like, they teach inmates this stuff. Yeah, you know. So why 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 are they getting those trade skills once they have already had to result to crime or just a bad person? Either one. Now they're learning an actual trade, which that field is getting so strict now because I get it all the time, and you know my job now and and getting background checks you've already fucked your chance up because you've already had to go, you know, get into prison. And now what you're learning is becoming a welder. Great. You're not going to be able to get into some plants now, you know, but if you would have known that in high school or been taught that at an early age and seen the not just taught it, but seen the benefit from it, you know, seeing the success that you can have it, you know, and I think that's another thing. And Plum, you and I talk about this all the time is managing your success. Everybody in the world wants to be a millionaire. Absolutely. But if you live like a millionaire whenever you're scraping the bottom of the barrel, then you would never you'll never be successfully happy in your own mind. You're just gonna always think that you're a failure and not living inside of what you have and being appreciative. You know uh, Yeah. Agreed. I just read a quote and it said, um, he who strives to leave his footprint on the world will never truly fly. So you'll never be free the, the harder you try to, yeah. you know, be successful. You know, if that's just all you do and you just grind, 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 that's not, you're not living life. It's 100% correct. That's very good. Good, deep insight. And that's, 
you know, and it's it's hard to sometimes find those people that have this insight because <clears throat> then even people my age, your age, all ages, they also have the mindset with like, well, you know, they make excuses. And I'm like, but but why? Like you're here. You know, but the, I think like plumbing, plumbing, um, electricians, I think those are probably like two of the biggest ones, right? Probably yeah. in demand that. Yeah. I'm like truck drivers. Oh yeah, truck drivers. Uh that's a huge one in demand right now. Yeah. Well like I like I had friends who got um certified in forklifting, you know? And that's welders, yeah, carpenters. Yeah. But it's it's all things like you want a house? Do you think you think it just magically pops there? Like it's not I mean, how I that works. That- yeah, I think the really the point is I, I just don't think we're setting people we're setting not just for success. We're not setting people up for success. We're also not setting them up for happiness. Yep. You know, we're telling Tim, Tim, you really should go be an IT guy. That's where all the money is. That's where the future is. Tim, you need to go into computers because that's that's the future of the world is computers. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, maybe Tim wants to build rocking chairs and that's what's gonna make his soul happy. Not oh, yeah. being a millionaire and making but you know what? We set the standards of society of you know, if you're not taking advantages of all the opportunities and doing, you know, this and that, and you're not making this kind of money, then you're not successful and you're failing at life. And that's just not true. This is yeah. absolutely not true. That's not what life's about. I want to build Legos for a living. Come to find out you pretty much need a mechanical engineer engineering degree. Dirt. But um, but I initially wanted to be a vet or a pilot, a veterinary, not a veteran. Um. But then I'm like, I couldn't see animals like be put to sleep, you know. We were just having this conversation. Veterinarians have the highest suicide rate. Really? I thought it was air traffic controllers. No, it's veterinarians have a really? huge suicide rate because of, huh. you know, if a person comes in with an injured animal, um, not to get off topic, but if a person comes with an injured animal, that's their animal. An animal is property. And they say, I want to put the animal down. And they say, no, no, we could fix your animal. They're like, no, I want you to put him down. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that asks has to put the dog down yeah or refuse to which that person will just find somebody else you know yeah by the way there's there's never anything off topic everything goes and that that's because that's how my brain works is like i'd be like oh yeah but it's not so much the whole shiny piece of thing effect it's more just you you'll circle back around or you'll you'll evolve your conversation more so never that's how most of our conversation yeah so Never, never be like, oh, it's off topic. Anything goes. Everything's gravy here. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. So uh, all right, we can switch gears. Um, we can talk about law enforcement. So I'm sure I've said the story before. How two people I served with, um, they are no longer friends. It's been a couple of years now, but because one, I did not support BLM as a black male. Um, so I was called a traitor to my race. And then the other nail in the coffin was because I support supported law enforcement because I was a correctional officer, which is law enforcement, just saying. Cause and then like, oh well, you support law enforcement, blah blah blah. I'm like, Yeah, I support my brothers and sisters. I don't support mindless beating and assaulting of anyone, regardless of what the job is. That's right. That's right. It, it's it's we, we, what we did during that time, and you know, it, we we took the focus 
on something that was happening. And then we did the exact same to the whole law enforcement community. What, what they're, what they were, what people were upset about, we turned that around and started doing. So it's basically instead of learning and saying, no changes need to be made, you know, and I a hundred percent agree, you know, even being a cop for 12 years, yes, there are changes that need to be made, but it's not a hundred percent on the law, on, on law enforcement. You have to give us the same tools and the right to be able to enforce the law that you set for us. Not like, oh, okay, well, it's okay this time, but not this time it's not. Well, no, we'll, we'll, we'll let, the, you know, and it, it starts reinforcing that that mentality of, well, I've been arrested for this 15 times and I always gotten a piece of paper and let go. How come you're taking me to jail? And then that always escalates into something. So, man, that that was just a really, it was embarrassing during that time that, law enforcement was at that level of where people were so scared to talk to individuals or to interact with them that they got to immediately draw their gun first. And it's embarrassing that agencies allowed people like that to continue because we allowed politics to get into law enforcement. We allowed, you know, we, we watched, um, we watched the movie. We own the city. It, it's hard to follow because the timeline's kind of screwy, but it's a really good movie. Um, and it's about the uh, gun trace task force that was in Baltimore, which is like the most corrupt division that they ever had. It, it was all the, the, like the sergeant got a hundred years in jail. I mean, it was just ridiculous what they were doing, but all their, they, they should have been fired years ago whenever the DOJ investigated them, but why didn't they unions, politics and everything else stepped in. You know, and it's if you, if you give just like we were talking about in services of giving, if you give people the right to take advantage of a situation, and then you just look at them and say, "Okay, well, don't do it again, but keep up the good work." What? <laughs> we, we, you know, and it's we just didn't, we didn't, and, and we didn't police the police. Yeah. I agree. But it doesn't give, that doesn't, it just, okay, so we're addressing that issue. But so that means that you can come out here and immediately look at me. And because I'm a white guy with a badge on, immediately <laughs> call me a racist and you hate me or call you a traitor to your race. You know, I'll, I'll, most of my, my buddies that I worked with that, you know, that are uh, black guys and everything else, yeah. so many times have been called Uncle Tom's and mm-hmm. you're a traitor letting these, you know, you're just like, and I'm thinking, you don't even know this guy. Like right. this is the first time you're interacting with him yeah. and you're calling him all these names and you don't even understand how proud he is of, of being a black guy. Mm-hmm. But he, I mean, like I, I don't, you know, shit. I had one lady tell me I'm going to hell and I don't believe in God. And I said, actually I do. I'm a Christian. <laughs> yeah. And she goes, no, you're white. You're the devil or you're, you're going to hell. Cause you don't believe in God. I'm like, you know, that's, you it's know, I, I told somebody this the other day. It's like, you know, I've been in, gone into, you know, white neighborhoods or white businesses, and I'll ask them, you know, a theft happened. Okay, would well, you have any idea who could have done this? Oh, yeah, it was Antoine. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you know it was Antoine? Come on, man, look at him. You know it was Antoine. I'm like, dude, that's not a fucking evidence. <laughs> that's just complete and total ignorance because you want to save face, you know, and that your yeah. mentality is you'd rather hurt this guy than and just be satisfied with this bullshit, right? 
And then I'll go into, you know, predominantly black neighborhoods and I'll get the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you know, it was Tom. Well, how do I know it's Tom? Man, it's the only white guy in the neighborhood. Yeah. That's not. No. Yeah, that's not how it works. And it's just. It, so, so to play off that, so working in corrections, it's definitely when people are like, oh, so what? what's your job like? I'm like, we'll put it this way. Law enforcement officers are the trash collectors. Correctional officers, we work at the dump and we try to recycle what trash we can. You know, and that's how I explain it to people. And it's I always saw it as cut cut and dry, but apparently there's gray areas in law enforcement. Um, but like I had the I tell people I'm like the worst inmates I had to deal with were black inmates. Because they always gave me the most shit because they thought just because I was black that I should be more lenient to them. They're the only ones that have ever called me racist, aside from one one Native American guy, because he thought I was racist against them, whatever. Um, but like they're like, Man, you racist. I'm like, how? Because I don't speak ebonics. And they're like, Man. and like one of the, the instructors or counselors looked at me, they're like, what is their issue? And then um, I had a sergeant one time. He was in the army. And um, there's a, another CO with the same last name, same last name as me, just different shift. I call him up. I'm like, hey, so-and-so is being an asshole saying that I'm racist because I'm, you know, I'm not doing this for him. He's like, which which officer are you? And I told him, he's like, oh, man, that's like double stamp and a stamp. Lock that motherfucker in. I'm like, Exactly. <laughs> Cause I'm like, uh, so yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I'm the black one. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah. No, that's not how it works. But like, but it's just like people, people put labels and descriptions on things. And like, you don't see the person for their qualities or what they are. And I'm like, that's, that's not helping things. Like if I get pulled over, like, Every time I got pulled over up in the state, it's the only time I've been pulled over. Every time I was in uniform. And the cop was so ready to chew me up for speeding, even though I was going like 65 and a 40. He's just like, I should pull you over, but I'm not gonna, because I was on my way to work. You know? Hey, I'm not complaining. Hey, you know, no ticket. But it's the same thing. It's just like, I drive a truck up in the north. I play country music and I'm black. People like, oh, I like that song. They walk by, see that I'm black, and then they turn their head. I'm like, but why? People put this stereotype on this, on whatever, but then they all, on the flip side, they're like, oh, we need to change the stereotype. Yeah, I think I really, that's one of the things I love or enjoy most about living in Louisiana now is um, I don't feel like that really exists here. Like everyone is just, the same for the most part. I mean, from, from my experience, from where we live, um, you know, there, uh, it was funny because the other day I was walking out of the store and a guy walked in and he was a black guy, but he was wearing uh, camo and these really big waders. <laughs> like, you know, like my uncle would wear when he'd go like trout fishing and, um, you know, and then I walk outside and there's a white guy sitting there dressed, um, you know, and, 
urban close. I mean, it's just everyone's kind of the same here. There's no stereotypes, I would say. They exist less. I mean, I'm coming from Florida, so, I mean, it's pretty – that's very Southern, so it's still – No, I, I understand, and I've explained this to people because, um, for, uh, for example, the the Southern flag, as I call it, or people call it the rebel flag or Confederate flag, I always had it on my computers at work. And my sergeant came in, he's like, the fuck is this on your computer? I'm like, it's just the Southern flag. And like, people would be like, oh, you know what that stands for? And like, to me, being black, people are like, how could you support that? It's for slavery. I'm like, at the time, like, no, it's for, that's what their country, that's what they stood for. They stood for their rights. It is what it is. I'm not saying slavery is right, but like, if you dive into the facts of things, it changes it. And like, I lived in Tennessee for three years, best years of my life, aside from my parents dying, you know, shit happens. But like, I never, I even hitchhiked with a trucker when I was a child and I lived down in Tennessee, not by myself. Cause that's just weird. But I never received any racism. With his other know. young friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See me on SVU. But anyways, um, I never received anything racist regardless. Like I was one of the few tokens in the neighborhood and all my friends were white, never had any issues, but living up North, like I walked into a restaurant one time. I shit you not. I saw in Massachusetts, by the way, of all States, Massachusetts, a white mother pulled her daughter closer to her. When I walked in with my white family as a, as a, as a father, I've made it known. I've noticed these things. Um, I to his mother that my like, hey, you see you see how, where everyone's sitted, you see how people are up in the north. I have noticed a lot more racism, regardless of liberal state or not, than I ever did in the south. And people don't see that. They still have the stereotype of the south is racist. Everyone down south is racist, and that's a hundred percent false. Because my grandpa's from Georgia. You know, and he loves me more than anything. He doesn't see color. You know, my mom grew up both in the North and the South. She never, she married a black guy. My great grandma's sister, who's Jewish, slapped my mother because she married a black guy and was outside of her religion. So I don't, that, that's always been a sore subject when people shit on the South and Southerners, because I always tell them I was Northern by birth, Southern by choice. Hmm. I have seen so many bumper stickers in Florida with that. You know, but but it's also, I mean, it, it's it's what it represents. It, it, it's what it represents for you. So, you know, it goes back. You know, I always think about whenever somebody gets really offended by a symbol and everything else. You know, going to looking at the swastika and then the actual the the hindu symbol is it hindu i think it's hindu symbol for peace yeah and all it is, them, is yeah. it's just it's it's catty corner you know it's put out a diagonal you know and th- there's you know like the the iron cross you know iron cross is is very i mean hell i've been uh they're they're they've had a, a news article about tattoos you know they had a uh, uh a cop on trial and saying that he was racist because he had nordic tattoos 
and they're linking Nordic tattoos because a lot of people that have because of the the bad press of the biker gangs and the criminal organizations that fall and the the white supremacist uh, movement, all that bullshit that use the Nordic tattoos for in their favor. You know, it, it, it's. It's what people instead of asking that person what it means to that person. And getting to know them, you automatically label them one thing. It's, you know, it's exactly what black people went through for years. Instead of actually talking to them, they just got labeled one thing because they were black. And now it's just, we're just repeating that cycle on, on a, you know, just, and it's just, it's turning over and it's just going to ever evolve. Hold on. So so you're saying that history does repeat itself? Oh, yeah. And and here's the reason why is because we're fucking destroying the fucking history so we can stop learning about it. We can't learn about it if we want to destroy it and just try to erase it from from memory. No, this isn't erasing it from memory. These are human traits. Mm -hmm. People, black, white, whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever religion, they're inherently bad people. Mm -hmm. And if you don't teach people that this is fucking wrong, and this shouldn't have happened, then it's like, man, fast forward a thousand years. Boy, slavery, man. If we take this group because they're weak and we put them into our care and they can build up our spaceships now, then Mm -hmm. nobody's ever done that in history because we've fucking eradicated it. But, hey, slavery only affects black people. Never It's never been implied in white people never know about slavery. That's never happened before. Well, let's talk about how the oh, we, like, we we I've, man, it's, I've, I know it's like, it's it's a whole nother can of worms, but it is. Just, well, my thing is is like I do hear it from some people, my friends, stuff like that. Is it's what's taught in the home? Of it is it's it, what it is. It's like oh well, how could the schools allow this? I'm like, bro. First of all, teachers don't get paid nearly enough for what the fuck the shit they go through. Second of all, like they go and they're taught, they they teach what they're pretty much told to teach. Yeah. And if a kid goes home and say, hey, and the parents was like, oh, you should be this towards this kind of people. And they're, that's what they're going to, they're a sponge. And that's exactly right. Kids are sponges. And that's just how it is. It's a scientific, but, and it's a scientific fact. It's not like some bullshit. And, that um, my favorite thing to use as an example is um, in Full Metal Jacket when he's like, "I don't care what your race, creed, blah 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 is. You're all equally worthless." Yeah, and that's that's how I see it. So I'm like, I don't care what you are. Where you're, you're, it's all the same. Just if you if you fuck around, you're gonna find out, and that's what it comes down to. A piece of shit's a piece of shit. It's just a matter of time. Facts. You can't, you, you can't escape it. You can give it. I mean, you can. I always say that. I say, um, you know, people will always out themselves in the end. You can't hide who you are forever. You can for a while. This is, oh, that person's such a terrible person. And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, just wait. I'm like, just sit back and wait because terrible people will always out themselves in the end. They can't help it. If you paint a piece of shit gold at the end of the day it's still a piece of shit <laughs> <laughs> facts 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 but uh, this has definitely been a good conversation we've covered a lot of topics you know it's i know we we always talk offline and everything like that but i feel like it's, it's a different vibe and just flows and you can just 
discuss things, you know, and I feel like there's not enough forums where people can just express themselves, regardless of whatever the issues are. You know, we used to have freedom of speech and freedom of press and all this other stuff. And now it's turned to like V for Vendetta, where the media just coerces everything and people want to either put their heads in the sand or they just are scared of everything. Like for my family, because I worked in intelligence and I read books and stuff like that and watch the news, they're like, oh, what do you think about like the Chinese weather balloons? I'm like, be, they, 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 they've been doing that for years. The Japanese did it in World War II. Like, if you if you read everything that's on the news, you're not going to learn everything, you know? You're just going to scare yourself. Yep. And you need to educate yourself. Read between the lines. Like, in, in nursing, um, we have evidence-based practice, meaning you have to get at least three sources to make that information credible. And yep. that's 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 how things are. And I don't know, man. Like you know, no. Well, I mean, if if you think about it, though, why is it so? You know, like regarding to me, the I think the death of actual reporting and media was <clears throat> the coming about of twenty four hour news because mm-hmm. you start filling in slots. Like I, I turned on ESPN the other day, and and <laughs> <Da-na-na-da-na>. <laughs> and, it, and it used to be like whenever I was ten. 10 to 13, 10 to 15. I couldn't wait to get home so I could catch up on the uh the the actual sports and see the reruns and reruns and but now I turned it on and the first thing that they talk about oh man there was drama in the locker room. Our sources tell us we overheard Todd Smith saying shut up to Blake Mahoney. Could this be the end? And it's like what? I don't why are you just inventing? So it it, it kind of, and then the media does the same thing and they start creating this fear because if you think about it, if I'm scared to go outside or scared to do anything, whatever, whatever I'm scared of, I want to try to stay in tune to what is giving me the information so they can keep me up to date. And so I'm staying in tune with them. If you're living happy and free and not worried about stuff that, you can't control or anything else, then you're going to be away from your TV, away from the media, away from them. That's yeah. not what they want. And just like FDR said, the greatest thing to fear is fear itself. Yes. You know, but Hey, that's also history and that's forbidden. So yes, that is forbidden. Yeah. No historical talks. Damn it. Right. God, gosh, damn those kids that, that, that <laughs> knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> trying to grow and be better, right? Oh, how, how how dare you make make your life something? But uh, yeah, I, I, one one of my other other things in regards to just everything we've talked about is having having kids. Like my son was born when I was deployed, and being a vet and everything, and correctional officer, law enforcement, you take those those traits, and you're like, all right. How can I apply it to being a parent? How can I raise my child to not turn out like a piece of shit while not talking down to them as a piece of shit, you know? Right. And while you're shielding them from everything else. And it's like when I was raised, you know, I got the belt or a hand or whatever, you know, I was actually talking to someone. I was talking to Tarlin today about um, how like when parents say I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. Yeah. And that's worse than just getting beat because, like, it is. 
you know, but like we got physically disciplined. A lot of us are fine, but now we're being policed on how we raise our kids. Our kids are being told what to learn in school outside of the normal, you know, and it's just like, I don't, it, it's hard. It's hard being a parent. Being a parent, I want to say, is one of the hardest fucking jobs there is as a human being. Yes, you know? I will agree. It, it, you know, and I do, I do understand. You know, but I will say, like here, you know, working with with like the the OCS and everything else, I have no fear in if I have to, like before, if I had ever, I think I spanked my daughter once while she was growing up and my boys a, a few times because yeah. they're boys. Yeah. But of course. I've I've never had a worry, you know, because I know I'm not sitting there beating them. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, it, because there's each situation you can't have a a plate to me in my experience with, with my children, I couldn't have a set rule like all right, they get a butt whooping for this, they get grounded for this, they get this taken away if they do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. You have to see and you have to be in touch with your children. You got to, you know, see what the mood is. Why did they break that bow? Well, maybe because it's so they're so excited that you just got them a video game that they were in a rush because they were too excited about it. Mm-hmm. OK, so why don't you just use that moment? Because you're you could talk to them, tell them how to slow down and concentrate. OK, well, why did you break the bow? Well, I got pissed off at you and I smashed it on the ground. <laughs> now you get that. Yes. butt whooping. You know, that's that's the big thing. And, and I think, you know, parents are. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I've seen I've seen, and look, I've I'm not like I've had to really grow with my children and I've learned a lot from from my daughter and I mm-hmm. you know, of what not to do. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and it's, um, you know, I feel like starting over with the boys and everything as far as like being a parent. And I also get to start over with my daughter as well. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just just being in tune with them, mm-hmm. showing uh, them that you want to be a part of their life. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like the punishment, the punishment should fit the crime more or less. Exactly. You know. Exactly. I always knew what I was getting a spanking for, and how many spankings I was going to get. I think. Setting that boundary ahead of time allows you to not lose control because if you're just endlessly hitting a child, there's no point to that punishment. But if you sit down and you say, you're getting five spankings and this is why you're getting five spankings, that's explaining instead of just, you know, the other is just out of anger. And what does that teach children? To have emotional outbursts. And whenever you're angry, you can just do whatever you want. I agree. When that kind of loops back to, when we talked about, you know, quality leadership, like you're teaching, um, like, Hey, you're doing this and this is what's going to happen when you do this, you know? Right. Exactly. You're teaching. Cause how are they going to learn? It's it's the same thing with, I'm not, and I'm not comparing kids to animals by any means, but like, uh, well, yes, they are. (laughs) (laughs) Disciplinary wise. Yes, but, know. you know, because they can comprehend even after the fact that they've done something bad. But, you know, I'll, I'll tell people like, damn, Frankie, shit in the other room again. Man, I beat his ass. Bro, that was two hours ago. He, had, mm-hmm. he doesn't even know he's shit in there. Mm-hmm. I can't, you know, like, well, put his face in it. Well, then he just knows not to put his nose in shit. Mm-hmm. He's still going shit in there. He's just not going to put his nose in it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you, you, you got to be able to, 
you know, like I caught I caught our 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 Frankie getting up on the counter and punished him because I caught him in the act. Now, if I see scratches on my counter and I know that within the past four or five hours he did that, I can't punish that dude for that. Uh-huh. Because it doesn't fit what happened. You have to be, and, and that goes back to, but whenever you do catch them, and, and you, you got to take that punishment, Tom, into a learning, Tom. It can't be just out of complete and total fear. And the same thing for children. You can't, you know, punish them like, well, what am I, what am I being spanked for? What am I getting mm-hmm. grounded for? Because I fucking said so. That don't fucking fly. Because I said so is not, not the, not the, I've said it. Fuck yeah. I've said oh, it. yeah. I've said it to you. Absolutely. But, but you have to, like, I, I'm, you know, like, it's at a point where I've said it and I'm like, damn, how am I going to explain this to him? So after mm-hmm. the punishment is over, like, you know, like, do you know why you're grounded? You understand that 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 is not what you're supposed to do. You can't say that stuff. And yeah, it's it's definitely a learning curve both for the parents and kids. So, oh, for I sure. think it is. Yeah, I mean, I think the main thing is, you know, I think the biggest thing is people struggle to gain control in their relationship with their children instead of just acknowledging the fact that you are the adult. You take care of them. You control the money. You are already in control. There's no sense in forcing your will upon your child because that's only going to create an an individual who, you know, is going to push back. You know, there's this movie and I, I really can't think of it at the moment, the name of the movie, but, you know, a kid grabs something that's a mom, that is the mom's, right? And the mom, and he's laughing, you know, it's a joke. And the mom says, don't you, don't you throw that? And the kid stops. He said, I'm not. And she said, good, because you better not. And he goes, well, I wasn't. But then, you know, it starts escalating because the mother is challenging. And what turned into a joke, the kid is now fighting for control. And, you know, it's just how a situation with a child can escalate because they're still learning how their boundaries work, how, um, you know, how they're navigating social situations. And if you're constantly challenging a child, that is what they're learning to challenge back. So you're just teaching them exactly what you're trying to get them to stop doing. And, you know, I am not a yeller. I don't like to yell. I can get my point across very easily. Um, just speaking to my son and to the boys, even, you know, I can get my point across really, really easily with just a look. I don't have to yell. I don't have to intimidate to get my child or any child to listen because Intimidation and fear is not is not going to build a healthy adult. That is going to build a fearful and angry child. Yep. And fear for an anger lashes out. Some deep thoughts mm-hmm. right there. Yeah, like I don't know, like for me, like my my kids like like a mini miniature version of me. So like Everything that I know that ticks me off, he knows, and it's, and it's flipped, so it's kind of just like I'm arguing with myself. So that's that's one of my biggest struggles is like I know he does. Oh, he has two of those. <laughs> yeah, and I think also I think it's just being a dad when you have a boy. That's just usually how it is most of the time. It's like your miniature self, and you know what and- though I see. Dixon's ability to um he knows the boys' personality because they are just like him. He's also able to 
like stop, you know, if something bad or, you know, disappointing, I would say we're not bad, but disappointing happens. He's able to redirect their attention so quickly. And you're like, Oh, you know what? You know what, man? No, let's do this. And it's so funny because they no longer care anymore. And it's like, he knows exactly how their mind works. And I guess I I started looking at his relationship with his son. I'm like, wow, I guess that's how I navigate with my child as well, because my son's just like me. Um, And I think that's one of the joys about being a parent is being able to recognize, hey, this is this is how I am. And this is the mistake that somebody made with me a long time ago. I'm going to try and avoid that. I think that, you know, like uh, what really helps me with. With my kids is just really talking to them. Seeing where, where, you know, like I've and I'm sure, you, you know, all of us here, we, we've punished our kids for something that they didn't do or you find out <clears throat> that okay i see why they did that and that makes 100 percent sense right and, and and i think that being able to go to your kids especially your kids and say look i am sorry and i i made a mistake that's my fault that Absolutely. To, to, to me that doesn't really like lose face with with kids that shows them that, yeah, you make mistakes as well, and you know it it's it happens and and I'm mad enough to tell you so that because you know it's something that we teach all of our kids, especially you know I tell mine as well is just tell me what happened, just don't lie to me, admit it to me because if you admit it to me, we can talk about it, and I can admit to you why I made that mistake, and so I can you know how I'm looking at it, yeah, I would say that's definitely um something I practice with my son when I know that I have acted not correctly. I've, I've gone back and I've apologized and said, I I shouldn't have acted like that. Or I shouldn't have said that. Um, this is why. And in return, I have seen that come back to me with my son. You know, we've gotten into a little bit of, you know, a little bit of back and forth and, you know, kind of gone into our separate spaces. And then he comes in there and he's like, okay, can I just, tell you where I'm, I'm coming from. And, you know, I, I really, it really makes me happy because, you know, he trusts me to listen to him and let him explain how he feels. He trusts me to open up about his feelings and explain, Hey, this is why I was feeling this way, which I think is the ultimate goal because, you know, what's one thing that we all say kind of in our space with MVP, you know, we all, lean on each other and talk to each other about things we're going through. Wouldn't it be great if, you know, you could go to your mom and dad and talk to them about that? Sorry, Alfred, but <laughs> no, no, personal. no, I know it's not personal, but yeah, I agree. You know, and same thing, you know, like we mentioned MVP and with, with, with y'all, like it's, it's been a good, not so much that you, they supplement having the, that person to go to, but it's having, people of all different mindsets to kind of feel things to, and you get to have all types of information and you take what you want from that and you formulate your own knowledge out of that. Cause I want everything people are going to say to you is true or right or whatever, but you'll take tidbits and that's how you learn. And that's how you create knowledge. Absolutely. And I, and I appreciate the, you both, especially, like, I appreciate you guys a lot. 
you know, I actually have your uh, Christmas card hanging above my laptop right now. So, I mean, it, I think the, the feeling's absolutely mutual, brother, and 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 I hope you, and I and I know you know that. Yeah, and, and you know it, it's, and I think that's one beauty about MVP as well is just being able to find very like-minded individuals and even people that may not view the world or politics or or anything else the exact same thing or same way you still have a place that you know that you can come in there and voice your um uh, voice your opinion and talk about it from a learning standpoint and you're going to get somebody that's going to be hitting you back up with you know with knowledge or their experiences and learning and growing together you know it's it's i think that's where our biggest downfall right now is is just we nobody everybody wants to tell mm-hmm. or talk nobody wants to debate or listen or learn you know everyone like my talks view- to respond not to listen yes yeah. exactly and i try to explain that there's listening and there's hearing like you can listen right. to what i say but do you hear what i'm saying right like i can yell at you but are you hearing why i'm yelling at you you know and that's right. what people just listen and it, that's all that's all it ends up being and then you know shit happens but yeah you guys got uh you guys got any final thoughts i know um, it sounds like jerry springer but <laughs> is this when we get up and start insulting each other <laughs> yeah no no, Alfred, no Alfred, yeah no 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 chairs thrown please no, no dna no, tests are being done either so yeah um, yet. i think i final thoughts um I guess I'm going to steal your final thoughts. Uh, if you're <laughs> if you're in a good place, reach out to somebody. And if you're in need, reach out to somebody else. There's always people that are there for you, and there's always people to listen. Oh, yeah. I ain't got nothing to say now. <laughs> Love you. No, but I, I just thank you very much for the uh, – for, for, taking the time and, and talking with us, man. I, and I really appreciate it because, you know, it, it's like you said earlier, it, you are a, a big part of not just Plum's life, but my life and, yeah. and a lot of other people. And, you know, and the friendships that we have developed and the camaraderie that we have, it's, it can't be replaced. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and VP is our family. Hell yeah. That's exactly absolutely right. Absolutely. So with this, thank you very much for having us. Of course. Anytime, you know, it's 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 like i said like i like to hear other people's views what they think about it's you know no holds bar just you just talk you just be yourself like i don't like to hear myself talk that's why when i do solo casts it's just like i don't know what i'm gonna talk about but then i talk to you guys and i'm like oh da 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 this you know and it's it's that is a lot a lot more enjoyable and again i appreciate you guys coming on taking time out and everything like that so yeah if you guys ever want to do it again or get more people or whatever and like and like how you guys just chime in that's what i like you know like it's not scripted it's just you just go with it you know right and that's and I, I think that's the way it's supposed to be. I mean, because mm-hmm. if it's scripted or if I know the answers or the questions that you're going to ask beforehand, then I can game it and mm-hmm. I can make it. I can make it me, but I'm not going to make it me. You're going to sound like kinda, a speaking spell. Right. Exactly. And that's 
boring. Yeah. Uh, all right, y'all. Well, I appreciate y'all coming on. I hope you all. Yeah, thank uh, you for having us. Ha- have a good night. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll talk you to you all too, soon. Thanks. All right. Bye. All right, Bye. brother. Take care. See you, man. Bye. I want to thank my guests today for joining, and more importantly, I want to thank you, the listener. Just remember, everyone has a story to tell, and always stay frosty.